Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 131. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, hi. We're back with Aaron Hernandez, part three. Yes, we are. And if you want to go check out ageofradio.org, you can do that and you can find us. If you backslash or just slash Color Me Dead, you'll find our page or you can go there and find all kinds of pages. And you can also check out, you can shop the bazaar for our sponsors. Um, You can check out other shows. You can listen to all of our older episodes, all that fun stuff. And you can find our Patreon. Click the button. What says donate or Patreon. Patreon us. I don't even know. I just looked at it the other day. I can't remember what it says now, but I think it says Patreon. But you can do uh, one time. You can set your own. You can do $1 to $75. And we have Pierks. Merch will be going out for new Patreoners here directly. And we're making some adjustments to our podcast. That we are. So, So, speaking of Patreon... We are going to be taking our SoSodes and making them Patreon exclusive. They are no longer going to be available through regular listening device. So if you guys are interested in those and you want to continue listening to the outtakes or the little blurbs, you must go to Patreon and subscribe. And that's from any donation number. You don't have to, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be a certain amount. It's a dollar up. Yes. Anything you donate, we'll get you. A so-so. A so-so. Um, if you guys want to get some merch, you can do so at colormedeadpod.threadless.com. And if you'd like to find us on social media, you can find us at Color Me Dead Pod on Twitter, Color Me Dead Podcast on Instagram, Gory underscore Nikki, and Color Me Dead Angel also on Instagram. And if you love Facebook the way that I love Facebook, we have the podcast page, Color Me Dead Podcast, and the group page. Find us there for Fuckery Most Foul and under... Other interesting things. And don't report our shit. God damn and it. And <laughs> please feel free not to report posts to the admins because we are the admins and we don't fucking care. If you have a problem with a post, please feel free to hit the person that submitted it for approval. If we approved it, it's because it didn't go against any of our, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't overtly political, racist, or anything like hinky. It, so Yeah, it didn't. It didn't break our rules. No, it didn't. And so if you have an issue, kindly refer to the person that wanted it posted. And if they decide to delete it, they can delete it. But if you report shit to me, I'm not going to delete it. If you report something to me and it's like political, racist, you know, they're bashing our our listeners, that kind of thing, I will obviously take care of it. Otherwise, get fucked. In the nicest way possible. Yeah. But we are going to be readjusting some things. We're going to be putting out longer episodes um, with shorter episodes in between. Um, But we're looking at more of like an every other week schedule. Um, Outtakes and so-sos will go to Patreon only. So time-wise for episodes, the episodes are going to be longer. They're just going to come out less frequently. But your time a month is going to be the same. You guys are still going to get the same amount of content just once every other week. It, it helps us out a lot for the time because we have a lot of our own shit going on. Our lives have changed 
lately and we have to adjust the podcast accordingly, but we don't want you to miss out on anything. So we're, that, that, that's the solution we came up with for now because it's baseball season. I have two fucking kids playing baseball now too. Well, and there's just, there's things that we need to do for ourselves and we need to do what's best for podcast and we need to do what's best for like the future of the podcast. Um, if you guys want to mail us some shit, you can. We have a P.O. Box, Color Me Dead podcast at P.O. Box 1610, Vernal, Utah, 84078. All right. Sources. The sources are the same as they were in the last two, but I'll say them anyway. But you should go ahead and cite your sources. I will cite the sources. All American Murder by James Patterson is the main source, source of entertainment. Now, source of information unnecessary roughness by jose Baez. as i went through before he's the fuck that got casey anthony off that book is going to be fun that'll be more next episode about this man the truth about aaron hernandez oh sorry the truth about aaron by jonathan hernandez there's also tv there was autopsy the last hours of aaron hernandez and the Netflix special, and there was one more on Reels that I said the name of before, and I can't remember what it was now, but it wasn't used so much in this one, in this episode. Um, last time I said something about Toradol, and somebody posted that Toradol is just ibuprofen, which I knew, and I even looked that up, but it was from the time of writing it and the time that we actually recorded it, some things went out of my brain a little bit. You know bit. what, though? But when people say Toradol, like <clears throat> Toradol, Tramadol... Like, right. I start thinking about some of the, like, Demerol. Yep. I get confused as to what is what, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, and I confused myself there because I knew that I had looked that up, and I knew that I had I had the information in my head, but I didn't write it down. I was like, oh, that's all right. I'll just talk about that when we get there. Well, and, you know, sorry. But Toradol is legal. It's fine. They can have that. It's an ibuprofen-type situation. It's an enzyme. However... They were using a lot more than that. Totally open. Yeah, but is Toradol by prescription only? I think so. But I'm not sure. All right. So the the top five most common performance enhancing drugs used in the NFL is number one, marijuana, which we all know. <clears throat> number two is stimulants and amphetamines. Number three is steroids. Number four is diuretics. And number really? five is human growth hormone. I thought I would think that human growth hormone would be above some of that, but like diuretics is that diuretics is what like relieves the water weight out of yeah, you. Yeah. So how is that perf- per- performance enhancing? Jesus Christ, Blanche, get it together! God. Quiet, you trash, <laughs> you trash, you trash. I wonder if it's because certain. People run faster when they are lighter. Right. And so that is the only thing that I can think of. I don't know. I'm not a sports medicine individual. And the only person that I did know that is a sports medicine person is dead. Well. So that doesn't help me anymore. But I could probably ask my brother and he might know. But um, I would think that if a person is consistently retaining water from whatever, that if you are using a diuretic to drop your water weight and alleviate some of the extra pounds or whatever. And swelling. And swelling, so that maybe you run faster. Yeah. Faster or stronger. I don't know. But how is that? Yeah, I just don't understand. 
How a diuretic, but you know, or maybe we learn well, something new every time. I'm sure somebody will post somebody the somewhere. That's what I like about this. It's like it's not instant gratification, but once we release it, then we usually get an answer <laughs> soon <laughs> after someone has yelled at us, right? About Wooster, fuck your Wooster. So I'm gonna go to where we left off last time, which was with Alexander Bradley. He had been shot in the face and left for dead in Florida, because when in Florida, act like a Florida man. What would Florida man do? <laughs> Can we get those stickers made, please? Shortly after the text exchange that we read at the end of the last episode between Aaron and Bradley. Aaron had Bo Wallace place an order with International Armored Group for a $120,000 armored Ford Expedition. Paranoid. Paranoid? Paranoid! (laughs) I'm not paranoid. You're paranoid. Paranoid. I actually... (laughs) Paranoid. I don't know that I would ever need an armored vehicle, but I would like to have one because my... Attitude gets the best of me sometimes. I just want one to say I have one. So in the event that I... Shot someone in the face? No. Somebody would like to shoot me in the face is kind of where I was headed with that. They can't. (laughs) Well, if you shot someone in the face, they might want to shoot you in the face. They may wish to... Yes. Eye for an eye, tooth for fucking tooth. Literally an eye for an eye. Literally. His eye was missing. Oops. (laughs) And that guy's eye. (laughs) What did you need that for? Nothing. Nothing. It was funny. (laughs) Yep. On April 19th, Aaron went to the Chelsea Pub and Lounge and started drinking really hard and heavy. He was drinking shots of Patron and Adios motherfuckers. If you have not had an Adios motherfucker, it is literally your... Fucking done. It's mm. vodka, rum, tequila, and gin. He kept trying to take his drink outside with him, and the bouncer kept sending him back in. Like, hey, everybody knows. Twice. Everybody knows. Don't take your drink you outside. Can't, unless you are in, like, no. New Orleans or Vegas. Yeah. You just can't leave. Yeah. You, you gotta stay inside. After the second time, he went to the bar, ordered another drink, and headed back towards the door, because he's like a goddamn toddler sometimes. The bouncer told him to leave that time, but he refused. He's like, now, and he went and sat at a table to drink his drink. Now, I'm not leaving. You make me leave. I'm going to sit here and drink my drink. Um, and at that point, he got he got pissed off and started yelling at the staff. That's always a good place to be. That is. Just so you know. But this time, he didn't have Bradley to defuse the situation like he was believed to have done. The cops in Hermosa Beach already knew who he was. Because the cops had already been called on him for domestic issues. So if you'll remember where we left last week, he was in California. He's Correct. He's over that way now. He probably would have been in jail if Shayana hadn't been so loyal, as the book calls it. I call it mentally abused. But whatever. He decided he didn't want to get arrested. And he knew he had a better chance of that happening in California and without Bradley. So he just paid his tab and left. Like you do. Mm. Like you ought to. Mm-hmm. The same week in Florida, Bo Wallace went and bought a twenty-two pistol that he called Deuce Deuce. Could you not? I, I can't with that. Oh, this is my... Look at my Deuce Deuce. Don't. I think of something a little like, bit more clever. Uh, yeah, be, be more clever. Pull something witty out. Name your gun something good, okay? Not a Deuce Deuce. Not a Deuce Deuce, okay? Because I can't... I roll any harder with that shit. That's, that's like... 
uh, Megamind, code word hidden car or whatever, you know. <laughs> code word dude's deuce. <laughs> it's a deuce deuce. No shit. We stop it. Yeah. You should have called it something fun like Earl, you know, like give it something, a little something, a little something extra. A little something better. Anyway, apparently he liked, he liked a little gun because it didn't stick out and it still does the job, which is fair. You know, look at Aileen Warnos. She did a lot of her shit with a 22. With a deuce deuce. With a deuce deuce. Okay, you can't say deuce deuce because I just think like taking a shit. I know. Because where we are from, when you drop a deuce, you're taking a shit. Mm -hmm. So when you say deuce deuce, I'm like, were you constipated? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we're just so goddamn backwards that like people feel sorry for us when they're like, we make fun of shit like this. I don't know. I don't know. Now, moving to a month later, and in Providence, Rhode Island, okay, Bo and Aaron were at a bar together at like two in the afternoon on a Sunday, because this is where you go at two o'clock on a Sunday. Which I get it. Like, if it's football, I think it was the playoffs. So well, I, yeah. I get that, I but, guess. But for me, two o'clock on a Sunday, that's Bloody Mary mar- bar. Ugh. <laughs> mm. I kind of miss Bloody Marys. Anyway. I don't. I, well, I never liked them. Oh, see, that's different. So this was not, uh, this was after the Patriots lost the AFC game. Not the same day, but not long after. And there were a lot of fans that weren't happy about it. A lot of people recognized him and were yelling, fuck the Patriots. That would have been me. I like you part fucking of that do. Mob. <laughs> yeah, I'd have been like, fuck you. You know what? Fuck you and your Patriots, you dumb bitch. Oh, guess what? Fuck you. Aaron left the bar, and he was followed by a mob of haters that were still bothering him. Luckily, the cops came and broke it up. However, a Brown University security cop said that he saw a man dump a small gun under a car a few blocks away. The security guy said that he he never got close enough to see who it was, but the gun was the one that Bo Wallace had bought in Belglade, and it was fully loaded. Why the hell did he ditch the gun? I don't know if this is relevant or not. It's part of the story. I still haven't found anything relevant. I think I don't get Did it. Did he panic? I guess. He had to go dump the deuce deuce because he was packing heavy. I'm just curious as to, well, and here's my thing. If you purchase a gun, the gun is then registered to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you purchase a gun legally, right? Which he did with this gun. Right. So the gun is then registered to you. There is a paper trail that takes it clear back to you making the purchase, including video like CCTV cameras all that stuff right mm-hmm. well take that with your fingerprints and you left a loaded weapon in the street the least you could have done is unload the motherfucker my Maybe. 22 pistol takes a clip drop the clip empty the chamber toss the gun then you could at least be like well it wasn't loaded no shit but like, i wouldn't have tossed my gun to drop a clip it's there's literally there's a, a thing to pull forward push forward and it drops dude mine is just a little push down lever blap yeah drops the clip out in my mind it was a cowboy 22 pistol because that's what we have here <laughs> it, it just, he's like, got a fucking revolver <laughs> he's just cruising around red dead redemption with a fucking 22 like revolver as oh you said that i was like you know what <laughs> he's in florida <laughs> It's probably not, well, by this time he was in in Providence, but he probably did not have a revolver. Oh, my but goodness. But still, if it was a revolver, you pop the thing out, they'll all fall just, out. I know. Because that's how my 38 was. You just pop the thing out. Derp. Do it all at once. All right. Well. Whatevs. Anyway. <laughs> cowboy I mean, gun bow. <laughs> that's all I can see now is like, so I started blasting. And he's got two revolvers. <laughs> With a deuce, deuce. <laughs> I've got two guns. One for each of you. 
on May 29th, there was a big party at the Hernandez house for Shayana's birthday, and she had turned 24 a few days earlier. They had all planned on a weekend birthday with lots of friends and family, and among them were Shayana's sister, Shania, and her boyfriend, Odin Lloyd. Aaron's brother, DJ, was there as well. They had all gone clubbing in the VIP section of Rumor in Boston. They had taken a party bus there, and at the end of the night, everyone went home on the party bus except for Odin Lloyd. He had gone home to... Dorchester. Dorchester. Is this like Dooster? <laughs> Is that how I'm supposed to say it? Wooster, Dooster, Dorchester. I don't know. That's my take on it. That's why I typed it out. I was like, Dor- Dorchester. 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 I don't know. So he had actually gone on his own, and I believe he had to work the next day. Odin played uh, semi-pro football, and he also had a job outside of that. Yes. So Odin liked hanging out with Aaron. They smoked lots of weed together, and Aaron referred to Odin as the blunt master because he was able to roll joints so quickly. Hmm. That's in, fun. In my opinion, Odin took Bradley's place. And I'll explain a lot of this later, but this is literally just my theories on everything because there's so many theories. It's still like, why? There's still so much why. Why out there? Why? Why? Why did he do it? And I think that he was taking Bradley's place at this point, like getting him the weed, making sure he always had it. You know, that was his guy now. Aaron was very open about his drug use. It was even said that he used a player phone in the Patriots locker room to make drug deals. He made it clear that the rules did not apply to him, but he was about to find out the hard way that they actually did. (laughs) Sorry, Aaron. On June 14th, Aaron and Odin were back at rumor with a couple of their friends. Witnesses say that they weren't getting along well while they were there. They kept arguing. Surveillance video backs that up. And I've seen the surveillance video. It doesn't look like anything terrible. It just looks like they're bitching at each other a little bit like, fuck you, man. No, fuck you. When you're drunk, you get in fights over dumb shit. Everybody does. Everybody. I don't know. Some say that Aaron was mad at Odin for talking to some of Safira Furtado and Daniel Deabreu's friends. And... Paranoid Aaron got mad about it, but nobody actually knows what they were arguing about. Still, to this day, nobody knows what the fuck they were arguing about there. However, they seem to have worked shit out before they left the club and picked up a couple of girls. One of them was Aaron's nanny, Jennifer Fortier. Cheating is obviously very common with NFL players, so apparently him and Shayana had come to an agreement about, like, with him being with other girls. She was okay with it. She had actually caught him cheating a few years earlier and moved out because she was upset. And when she moved back in, it was agreed upon that he would cheat if he wanted to. Like, that was the stipulation. Like, all right, well, we can can be together and work this out. But just so you know, I'm going to fuck other chicks. If you like that, you're cool with that, then you can be back in. What? No. No. I couldn't do that. Okay, like, it's okay as if you fuck other people, just don't do it here. No. <laughs> no, that is not my... No. He didn't do it super openly, but this is one of the reasons that he got himself an apartment in Franklin that was 10 miles away from the Gillette Stadium. It was a fuck pad, a crash pad for friends, and a drug pad for smoking all of the weeds. The Patriots' director of player development actually helped him find this apartment, even. 
That's where he was headed for the night after the club when he picked up Jennifer. He had just, or she had just asked him for a ride to her car a few blocks away. Like they saw each other outside and she's like, Hey, can you give me a ride to my car? It's like a few blocks away. He's like, sure. So he gets her in the car and then he blows past where her car was and kept driving. She kept asking him to take her back to her car, but he ignored her like acting like, you know, when the kids are in the back seat and they're talking, you're like, I can't fucking hear you. I hear nothing. That was Aaron. He finally told her that he would drop her at a rest stop, but her phone was dead. And so she was like, well, no, because she didn't even, she didn't really know where they were. They drove all the way to North Attleboro from Boston. Okay. Dropped off one of the guys whose name was Robbie Olivares. And he's a barber that they hung out with at his car, which was, it was parked close to Aaron's house. Aaron had mentioned that he didn't want Shayana to see him on the security camera, so he dropped him off a little bit farther away, so he had to walk to his car a little bit. And after they dropped him off, they went to the apartment in Franklin. Jennifer later stated on the witness stand that the three men were high and smoking what she believed to be marijuana. Let's talk about the apartment for a minute, okay? The woman who lived next door to Aaron's apartment, Carol Bailey, was a retired biology professor. She said that they shared a few walls and that they were soundproof, but the wall from his apartment to the hall was not. And she said that it always smelled skunky. She said it was not the high rent district. When she told someone from, when she was told that someone from the Patriots was going to be living there, she thought it would be like somebody that was running their stats, right? Or yeah. maybe somebody that was like the water boy. Yeah. <laughs> or, right? the, or the lawn mower. The... You know, uh, somebody like maybe maybe it was somebody that was working as like a part time physical therapist or right. you know something of that like something of that nature. But she said um, maybe a groundskeeper, but not a tight end. One of the first people Carol met told her his name was George. He said that he was moving in with his cousin Aaron. He was always nice and friendly, and he said um, and he always said hi to her and carried her groceries in for her, which I think is really nice. Yes, he was super super sweet. Aaron, however, was not friendly. She said that he just looked at her and grunted whenever that, like, whenever she saw him and greeted him and was like, oh, hey, hi. <clears throat> Me as a neighbor, literally. Eh. What's up? Anybody <laughs> wondering who George was? Anybody? Bueller? Me? Bo Wallace. What? His, first, his full name, Ernest George Wallace. The neighbor later found out that he had a mansion in North Attleboro. Going back to the night after the club, when they got there, Aaron told Jennifer that the apartment belonged to his uncle. She said that when they got there, he got wine out of the fridge, and she didn't have any because she doesn't drink. They all just kind of sat around for about 20 minutes while Aaron and Odin were getting high. (laughs) Sounds fun. All right, because that's basically what I did when I was 15. Let's just watch these other people smoke Yeah, because I didn't. Aaron went to the ba- Aaron went to the bedroom and called for Jennifer. When she went back there, they sat and talked for about 10 minutes. He leaned in and kissed her. She pushed him away and said, no, I'm your nanny. I can't do this. He told her he understood and that he wasn't mad. Okay. He fell asleep. Odin was asleep on the couch. And Jennifer finally used, used her friend Amanda's phone. Why the fuck didn't they do this? I don't know. Sooner? And I think... Nothing? I don't know. That's what I don't get, because it's like, kept talking about how her phone was dead. She couldn't do this. Her phone was dead. 
your fucking friend's phone isn't dead. I don't know. Hello? Which, then you have to start, like, thinking, right? Like, you're, okay, your phone dead, but your phone was dead. Your phone dead. Your phone dead. Speaking of thoughts happening faster than my mouth, (laughs) but your phone died. However, there were phones, others, that could have been used. So what was the delay in making that exit? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering, too. And I wouldn't want to be dropped off at a rest stop either. No. But if they did, the friend has a phone. So they called for a cab and they finally got out of there as quickly as they could. Now, the next morning, Aaron used Odin's phone to text Shayana. He said, I fucked up again and fuck, I didn't mean to, but I got drunk and too fucked up and O took care of me and somehow... I typed this exactly how he... He told him. Told him about my other spot and I just woke up bugging. I'm sorry and I'm on my way home. I typed him exactly how they were just for you. Just that, for your... I, I don't like it. For your pleasure. I, I like fucking it. hate it. So I, I had to like share. It. I had to share it. If I have to see it, you have to see it. <laughs> the next Sunday was June 16th, 2013. Aaron was texting Brian Murphy, who, if you'll remember, was his agent about the threatening text that he had been getting from Alexander Bradley. Brian told Aaron not to reply. Brian Murphy and Mark Humanick, who was the general counsel for Athletes First, had a phone call earlier that week with Bradley's lawyer, so they were already in the works on some shit. Bradley had filed a civil lawsuit against him. The possibility of a settlement for $1.3 million was discussed but never agreed upon. Brian Murphy went to Harvard Law and had worked at a law firm for a few years. He referred Aaron to this law firm to help him out. Alexander Bradley kept texting Aaron, though. Um, I'm going to read you this text exchange. Yay. Because I can't, I can't wait for you oh to slaughter God. the English language. I know. Like, I, I really want to be like, how did you graduate with honors, you motherfucker? You can't make a sentence. That's what I think this whole time, like, or he's just being in his, his environment like he does. Do you think it physically hurt him to send his texts like this? Or do you think that I don't know. this is just how he texts? Okay. This is what Bradley was texting to Aaron. Don't understand why if you was man enough to shoot me, you ain't man enough to compensate me. And I guess I'm a bitch because when I think about what you did, I cry. Which, you got shot in the face. I would probably be upset if my friend shot me in the face too. Yeah, like not only did you get shot in the face, you got shot in the face by your homie. Uh Uh-huh. And your paycheck. (laughs) Just to put put it out there. Just saying. And how I felt when you did me like that in front of them niggas was heartbroken and ego torn. This is totally a quote. This is not me saying the N-word. I'm so... I'm very sorry. (laughs) These are literally being read verbatim. Yes. Dog, niggas in my hood was saying this nigga let this Bristol-ass nigga smoke him. Thought I was retarded till I started coming through and hitting niggas up for spreading rumors about me or my kids. And... I'm not going to to allow you to go on living this high life without compensating me for that bum sucker shit. 
Okay, so that's what... Bum sucker shit. Bum sucker shit. I'm using that from now on. That is some bum sucker shit. (laughs) Aaron was told not to engage, but he could not help but engage. It's because he's an egotistical prick. Right. He kept telling Bradley that he loved him and that there was no one else he could trust. And sometimes Bradley would come back with the same tone, but he would say, this is another quote, if you really loved me and then you'd want to settle this. And whatever is in store for us is in store. If we're going to be cool again, that's what it'll be. But it got to start with resolving this incident that went down. And so Bradley, this is Bradley continuing. Listen, again, I hate that it comes to this, but you can't go through life consequence-free when you do certain shit. You should want to do this If you really miss and love me, it's crazy enough in itself that I really don't even feel a way towards you in the sense that I don't even think about you trying, oh, sorry, that I don't even think about trying to hurt you or anyone you love. It's really like I have forgiven you, but you got to do what you got to do, meaning, you know, this conversation thing is inevitable. I hate the fact that I even got to handle this like this. You should, you should have been offering this to me. But just like it was real when it, when it happened to me, it's real. It's going to happen to you if we can't resolve this. And I know, I know you know that I don't lie about this shit. You were my brother, best friend, and a lot of things to me. Yeah, big fucking paycheck. I 100% guarantee that that is the motive. He went from making how much money to nothing. Mm. He got shots in the face. So even through all of that, no matter what, Aaron never offered to compensate him. He kept saying he loved him, blah, blah, blah. Never. He accused him of being a snitch. Sorry. He accused him of being a snitch. But everybody's a snitch to Aaron. You're a snitch. I'm a snitch. We all snitches. You fed snitch, bitch. Isn't that what he said last time? Yeah, right. That same day, Odin Lloyd had showed up to scrimmage, oh, to a scrimmage game at a high school football field in a brand new black Chevy Suburban. He usually showed up to games on his BMX bike, so this is a little bit of a shocker to the team and the coaches when he rolls in in this nice-ass Suburban. He was somewhat bragging about hanging out with Aaron after he told everybody that the SUV was his, which it wasn't his. He didn't buy it. He had rented it. Odin started playing for the Bandits, which was his semi-pro team, in 2007. That was the same year Aaron went to Florida to play. As mentioned before, Odin didn't have the money to go to college. Since he had started playing for the Bandits, he had lost his job as an electrician and went to work as a laborer for a landscaping firm. His coach was a chief probation officer and was always pushing Odin to get on a different career path. He told him to be a firefighter because he was big and strong. He also really cared about people. The coach took interest in their off-field lives, too. Like when Odin started dating Shania, he noticed. Odin had been working on an electrical job in Connecticut and had been staying in a hotel where she worked. Mm. Mm. Which, fun fact, uh, Shayana got her that job because Shayana was working there first, and then she got the job for Shania, and that's where Shania met Odin. Hmm. 
the web. <laughs> what a tangled web we weave. I know. He would go down and talk to her while she was working, and they soon started dating. During this time, the coach would tell him that they had a game that week, and Odin would tell him he couldn't make it, which was pretty unlike him. Now back to Aaron, okay? Later that day, Father's Day, he got a text from Brian Murphy saying that they are voluntarily withdrawing the lawsuit so that they can engage in settlement talks without the story leaking to the media. That's nice. Mm-hmm. That was considerate. That's so nice. Thank oh, you so much. Oh, thank you so much. That's nice. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Brian had told Bradley's attorney that if a lawsuit was filed, there was no incentive to settle. That is when the attorney agreed to withdraw. At 9.30 that night, Odin had just gone to a barbecue with his team and was dropping off a teammate. He had planned to go to bed early because he had to get up and go to work early the next morning. And then he gets a text from Aaron that said, you gonna be around? I need that. And we could... Oh my fuck. Sorry. Sorry. Hold on. I'm trying to turn my brain into mush so that I can read these texts. You gonna be around. I need that. And we could step up. Oh, we could step for a little again. I don't even know what that means. Um, Somebody interpret this for me. After that, Aaron sent a text to Bo Wallace that said, please make it back because I'm deaf trying to step for a little. From what I can tell, step can mean many things. And in this case, I believe it means going to the club. I'm old. Give me a break. I'm from the Uinta Basin. I am a fucking dirtbag redneck. We don't say step because step can also mean fight. Like I'm, I'm going to go st- I, step I outside. <laughs> Are you you want to take this outside? I literally looked up in the urban dictionary to try to figure out what the fuck he was saying. Wow. <laughs> like, I don't yep. know. Yep. You know, it's like white people be like, hi, that's me. White I'm, old. I'm, hi, white meat. Yeah. Apparently I'm too country for this shit yeah because middle-aged white female here hi hi how you doing yes utah nonetheless Uh, middle-aged white small town utah yes (laughs) so we get we should get credit for what we do know out of this shit i'm just saying like i i realize that i have lived in some of the largest cities in america but i still you know i don't know what the fuck Mm -hmm. that means and i'm not trying to be cruel or unkind but you space g-o-n gone Letter B, you gon' be? No. When I text people, I probably should just call them, but I don't like to call people. I don't like to phone. No, but when we text, it's complete sentences with fucking punctuation. It really just is. Like The only thing that's not correct in our texts are the fucking emojis. Okay, I'll give you that. It's not part of grammar. No, it is not. <laughs> Aaron then text Odin. What up? Odin replied, I hear... <laughs> I where? Aaron, I don't know, it don't matter, but I'ma hit you up when I'm that way. Like last last. Last time. If my phone dies, I'ma hit you when I charge it. Which will be in a little. Kate, I'm I'm gonna cut in here for just a second, because you want me to tell you what happens when a middle aged white male writes a book about this shit? Okay. On in here it says I 
meaning all right. <laughs> Where? Like, it interprets it here. It made me laugh so hard. Because then it's like, IDK, and in parentheses it says, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, thank you. Um, yeah, that's what I liked about this, is that there there was a a, a white male of our age trying to interpret this as well and was like, I don't fucking know what that means. I, I bet lots of people don't know what that means. So I'll put it in the book. I like how it's got like footnotes. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck this means. <laughs> I need friends outside of Utah to help me. Help. Hip. Please. Please help. So one minute later, Aaron texted Bo Wallace, get your ass up here. Bo and Carlos were at Tanya's house in Bristol, about 100 miles southwest of North Attleboro. At midnight, Odin sent a text to Aaron that said, we still on? Bruh. It's midnight. You gotta work early in the morning. Fuck are you doing? I don't give a shit if I gotta be to work at 2 p.m. the next day. If it's midnight, I'm leaving the house to, like, get you out of jail or to rescue you from somewhere fucked up. And past that, dude, like, mm -mm, no, No. it can wait till tomorrow. Um, Eight minutes later, the security cameras at Aaron's show Bo and Carlos being let into Aaron's house by the nanny. And then they go downstairs to wait for him. Fucking midnight. I'm old. Well, they were 23, but still. Oh, okay. All right, but still. Fuck. At 23, though, like, I had a job, yo. I had to work. I was working my ass off when I was 23. I was in bed because I had to wake up at five. 20 minutes later, Aaron and Shayana pulled up in her Audi. Bo and Carlos met them outside and then all four of them went inside together. The surveillance video shows Aaron passing a gun from one hand to the next. If you watched any of the documentaries, you've seen this multiple times, but you can't really tell if it's a gun or not is the fun fact. But it really looks like one. Like, I don't know what else it would be if it wasn't a gun. And then he went to the basement where the other two men went with him. A while later, Aaron, Bo, and Carlos went outside and got into a Nisa Altima that Aaron had rented. I don't understand what the fuck is up with Aaron Hernandez and rental cars. Why? Why can't you just have cars that you're going to use and use them? Oh, that's... Because you do shady fucking shit. That's why. Because you do shit like this. But still, at the end of the day, when you rent a car, your ID, your credit card, there's a paper trail for everything. So realistically, sweetheart, you would have been better to go and buy a fucking Honda Civic for $800 from shithole Uncle Larry's used cars and just dump it when you were done. You could have afforded that. You know what I mean? Or just buy a car from somebody off the street that was like, hey, I got this fucking Buick LeSabre for $1,000. You know what I mean? Like, right. you don't have to go flossing around when you're doing your shit, but it doesn't matter if it was your car, rental car. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's still all tied to you. Wait. I sound like a fucking criminal right now. I'm like, well, just go I down feel like... and buy a fucking car from somebody in a shady ass neighborhood. Like, I don't care if the fucking speedometer sticks like you could have ditched it later like you could have paid cash and ditched the car later well okay so i was watching i think it was on chicago fire um just saying they paid somebody 500 bucks for a stolen car knowing that they were going to go do their shit and dump the car everybody made out just fine in this okay 
They, they got caught on something different. I, I can't remember if that was it or not. But still, like, hello, we can we can criminal better than you can, you some bitch. And we're, I don't even have a speeding ticket on my record. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, over the next hour, there were five phone calls made to Odin's phone from Bose. At 2.30 in the morning, they picked up Odin at his house where he lived with his mother and sisters. Again, so much for working early in the morning. It's 2.30 on a Monday fucking morning. Morning? Morning. Odin's sister, Shakila, was sitting in a car down the street when Aaron picked up Odin. 30 minutes later, he sent her a text that said, You saw who I'm with. A law enforcement officer later said that Aaron picked that after Aaron picked up Odin, he blew through tolls on the Massachusetts Turnpike and shot road signs with a 45 Glock. Fun. Just like living in the country. It's also believed that... Did you go smash mailboxes as well? <laughs> right. After that, did you smash the mailbox? It's believed that he hit a traffic cone that broke his driver's side mirror off. And dented the side of the car. But here goes. Mr. Laws don't apply to me again. Just driving all over the fucking place. Odin kept checking his phone in the car. He sent another text to his sister after she hadn't responded to him for 10 minutes that just said hello. Eight minutes later, she responded with, my phone was dead. Who was that? Odin responded, NFL. Sister says, LOL, you're Aggie. Sister? Yeah. Sister Shaquila. Sister Shaquila. Sister Shaquila. What the fuck is Aggie? Aggravated. Oh, okay. All right. Mm -hmm. I had to look that one up, too. So I, again, I don't. Right. I'm going to write that to you. LOL, you're Aggie. Could you just put aggro? Right. And Odin said, just so you know. And there were no more messages after that. That was the end of the messages. And we were like, the end. The end. Aaron called for a cleaning crew to come to his house that next morning. It was June 17th that day. Prosecution later said that Shayana threatened deportation if they ever spoke of anything they had seen there that day. That afternoon, Aaron, Bo, and Carlos went to return the rental car. Aaron told the branch manager that there was a broken mirror and a dent on the driver's door. Aaron was very polite and offered her a piece of bubblegum. Because that's what happens when you fuck up a rental car, is you make it square with the company with bubblegum. Yeah. Blue bubblegum. Blue bubblicious. Yes. Why not? Because he's a child. In the brain. Insane in the membrane. Insane in the brain. No, because, you know, that makes everything hunky-dory again. Well, I think that he was trying the cutesy little, well, there's a dent and shit. Do you want some gum? Look how cute I am. Do you want some gum? Jesus. She declined while thinking, what is a grown man doing chewing bubblicious? Mm, Grown man in the body. Aaron, okay, so blue bubblicious. Here you go, sweetheart. You want some... You want some gum? Aaron told her that he had no idea how the car had gotten damaged. She could tell she could tell that he was lying, but he had opted for the full coverage on the vehicle, so it was covered anyway. She jokingly off 
She jokingly offered him a Kia Soul. He said that he wouldn't be caught dead in a Kia. She laughed and told him that she was kidding. She gave him a Chrysler 300 and they drove back to Aaron's house. While all of this, by the way, I think those Kia Souls are kind of fun. I'm just saying. While all of this is going down, a high school student named Matthew Kent was jogging through Corliss Landing and came across Odin Lloyd's body. Do not jog. Don't walk your dog. Don't, Don't walk your dog. Jog. Don't jog. Don't go hiking. That is where you find dead things. Well, unless you want to find dead things, then, and then please do all of the above. Then get three dogs that like to retrieve so that they can bring you bones back. Yeah. And then you can go on a little... It, yeah. It's like a, like a treasure hunt. It's like a bounty hunter for what dead bodies. What, what, what is it? Like a scavenger hunt. Yeah. Ha! There was a storm rolling in, so the police were trying to secure the crime scene with tents and tarps and keep the rain from washing away any of the evidence. Odin's body was easily identified because of the wallet in his pocket that contained his ID. Hmm. There was also a set of car keys for a rental car in his pocket. This makes my eyes roll so much. Like, Well, they traced the keys back at the station and found out that they were to a car that Aaron Hernandez had rented. What? Oh, they had also searched his last batch of text messages that he had sent and received. At that point, they didn't have anything. They thought Aaron might actually be dead, too. Yeah, they were like, well, he was with Aaron Hernandez. Are we looking for his body, too? Or where, where are we, where, where are we going with this? What are we doing here? At 9.30, at 9.30 p.m. on Monday, June 17th, Odin's mom, Ursula Ward, got a phone call from Trooper Eric Benson. He asked if, if she knew who Odin was, and she said, yeah, that's my son. He told her that... He was sending two Boston police detectives to her house. At first, she didn't even, she, okay, me being me, I'm a worst case scenario person. I'm a fatalist in the worst way. And that is the way that my anxiety and my ADHD hold hands and go skipping through my brain together as like Same. mental illness, right? I automatically, they're like, okay, we're sending some detectives to your house. You're like, what the fuck? So at first, she didn't even think that anything had happened to Odin, but his sister Olivia had started to cry. Ursula is like, well, what are you crying for? And she told her mom that they don't send police to your house for no reason. No. Like, if, they're not going to send cops here for nothing. If he's hurt or something, they'll probably call you on the phone and tell you. Like, this is the, the hospital, hospital that they're at, right? You need to make arrangements to get to this medical facility because you know blah 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 when they send police to your home your kid is either dead or missing mm-hmm. yeah ursula refused to think that anything bad had happened she thought maybe odin was in the hospital or maybe he needed blood about an hour later the police showed up to her house and they started asking a bunch of questions she said listen i'm not answering any like you and you can fuck off in this direction until you tell me what the hell's going on with my kid one of the officers then said, I'm sorry, ma'am, your son was shot and killed. She said she fell to the floor and said, someone just took my heart out. She jumped back up, though, and said, first of all, why are you coming here talking foolishness to me? How do you know this was my son? The officer told her that he had his wallet with his driver's license in his pocket when he was found, and she fell to the floor again. About 9.40, two officers had gone to Aaron's house in an unmarked Ford Escape and parked in the driveway. All the lights were on in the house. The TV was on in the living room. There were cups on the coffee table, and there was, like, a bottle turned over there, too. It clearly looked like some people were there, okay? The officers knocked on the door and rang the doorbell, but nobody answered the door. I'm surprised. 
The officers went over and looked in the garage windows and saw the silver Camry that Aaron had bought to ship the guns to him in. But the officers didn't know about that at that time, so that car didn't look suspicious to them. They were like, okay, there's a car here. They then went around the back of the house to check for signs of a break-in, and they didn't see anything because they were like, all right, all the lights are on. There's cups on the table. Nobody's answering the door. Maybe there's a break-in. They've been abducted. Let's go check it out. Or they needed to justify why they were looking all over. I don't know. That might be me being an asshole. Sorry. Aaron's next-door neighbor was Joe Judge. He was the Patriots special teams coach. The officers went over there and asked him if he had seen Aaron. He said he hadn't seen him since practice on June 13th. He said he didn't have Aaron's contact information, but he could contact the head of Patriots security for them if they wanted him to. And they said yes, and they called and left him a message. Because it's like, it's what, 940? By now it's probably 10 after they've done all this shit. After they left the message, they went and parked across the street from Aaron's house and waited. Inside the house, where Aaron was pretending not to be home with all the lights on and TV on, he called Brian Murphy, who, it's his agent. Aaron told him that there was a cop car sitting out in front of his house. Brian asked, well, did you do anything wrong? (laughs) Aaron was like, no. So I'm just curious if you, uh... And so Brian's like, okay, then why is there a cop car out there? Aaron said, well, I don't know. You just never know what's going to happen when you kill somebody, though. But wait. Whatever, dude. Brian asked him why he was worried if he didn't do anything wrong. Aaron said he didn't want them thinking anything, and he thinks that they were waiting for a search warrant. A warrant? Brian told them just to go up to the car and ask them what they want. Um, I would not. Well, that's the advice he got. I would not do that ever with, um, I would never walk up on a police car all willy fucking illy. Right. Sorry. I just, I've seen, nah, nope, nope, nope. Fuck that. Don't tase me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> this shit hurts. Trooper Shervin and Detective Arago. Ariho. Ariho. I don't know. It's Connecticut. It's probably pink. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Saw Aaron walk towards them. They got out of the car and met him halfway. They shook his hand and asked him if he had rented a Chevy Suburban. He said yes, and he rented it for his friend, O. They asked him who O was, and he said, well, Odin. They asked him how he knew Odin, and he said that his girlfriend's sister dates him. They asked, when was the last time that you saw him? And he said, well, he was up that way yesterday. He then told the officers that he saw them sitting out there on his security cameras and he came to ask them what they were doing, you know, why they were asking all the questions and said he was going to have to speak with his attorney, like you do. After he's answered all these questions. Right. His behavior is just... mm. Indicative of being immature. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Aaron walked back into the house and locked the door. The officers followed him. Aaron opened the door and handed them a card for Ropes and Gray Law Firm in Boston. The uh, the detective told him that they were investigating the death and Aaron slammed the door in their faces. Bad call. Bad. You done fucked up, eh, Aaron? For real. When I say that his behavior is indicative of a small child or that of a teenager, it is. Because as soon as you realize that you're in trouble, you slam the door. Like, they're asking questions for something serious. 
like a murder. Okay, homeboy's been fucking shot and you panic. He is, though. He's 23 years old. Yeah. He looked like a grown man. He looked like someone in his 30s. And so it's hard to connect that for me. It's hard for me to connect looking at his picture. Like, right. I know people can't see it right now, but this picture. That does not look like a 23-year-old It doesn't. Young he man. looks and he's in a mansion that he bought himself. Right. He's got all this shit going on. But remember, he's 23. And when you're 23, while well, you think you're a big grown-ass person, you're not that but mature. And, yeah. Bubblicious. Yeah, no, like your brain is not fully your brain as a young adult. They have determined they being medical professionals and people that study our brains, medulla oblongata, <laughs> that we're not fully formed and capable of controlling our impulsivities and our decision making until we're like 24, 26. Like yeah, that, that's 26. Right. Well, and he's got all the brain damage to go with it. Yes, from he does. All of his injuries and whatever drugs he may or may not have used, allegedly. Constantly. But what we have here is a young man, age twenty-three. Brain isn't even capable of recognizing impulsivities, making good choices, recognizing behaviors. All of that comes two to three years from now, right? Mm-hmm. And what? What you see leading up to all of this, whether it's his desire to fight everybody because he's that dominant male monkey motherfucker that's having a hard time when people are looking at him, to the bubblicious, they to the, me. Right. They, the, yeah. And then you've got, you know, hey, man, I'm going to have to have you talk to my attorney. Okay. It's not like police are unfamiliar with that process, right. but you open the door, you hand them a card for your attorney, for their firm. And they were like, we're investigating a death and you slam the door in their face. That's like a little kid playing hide and seek. So they cover their eyes because if I can't see you, you can't see me. If I shut my door, you can't say anymore. If I shut my door, that completely alleviates any responsibility or any guilt that I might have. But what you did. And he locks it, too. He shuts it and locks it. Like, ah, can't get in my room. Did you run to your bed and pull the covers up to your shoulders, too? And then giggle. <laughs> and <laughs> then realize now. that you had to pee. And be like, what the fuck am I going to do now? Shit. Did, did you turn off all the lights so they wouldn't know you were home? No. He just leaves the room. He's probably hiding behind the couch. So here we are with you are too immature to exist right now. Now, Aaron slams door in the faces. Bad call. Maybe asking who's death? What? De- who are you talking about? I would say, I would be like, you're not talking about Odin, right? Because you guys are asking me about this rental car. You're asking me who I rented it for. Is he okay? Or who? Who died? What do you... Even pretend like you don't know who the fuck died. That was... I I would seriously, like, if they had just asked me about Odin, if they had just asked me about this rental car, I would have been like, is he okay? Did he hurt somebody? Did he, like, take that shit off of you? Get the fucking focus off yourself. You're a shithole liar, Aaron. He was, and I feel like a lot of that is what took him under. It is, because he he acted. He didn't have the mental wherewithal to even act or pretend. No, we're just going to slam the door. 
Not me. I didn't do it. Done talking to you. Goodbye. <laughs> Good day. <laughs> Good day, sir. Anything but slam the door would have been a better option. This made him a person of interest. Obviously. Mm. Trooper Chevron. Shervin. Excuse me. Shervin. Trooper Shervin called the uh, the assistant DA, Patrick Bomberg. Bomberg was good friends with one of the lawyers at Ropes and Gray, named Robert Jones. Bomberg called Jones and said, hey, I need to talk to you about a client of yours named Aaron Hernandez. Back at the house, the officers went back to their car and then waited for him to come back out. A little while later, he did. He said he would follow them to the station and talk. Aaron, Shayana, and Aviel got into the car. License plate said, her... <laughs> Hernandez... <laughs> Her dash Nandez, because it was hers. Yes. I thought you would get a kick out of that, so I had to add it because you always like the license plates. The officers followed them. Cheyenne pulled up and dropped Aaron off at the front door, and she went to pull pull off, and the officers flashed the red and blue so she'll stop, right? They walk up to the car and tell her that Odin is dead. And this is where she starts to cry. I think she already knew, I'm, but I don't know. Uh, I'm going to co-sign that. She knew. She told the officers that she didn't know him very well, but that he dated her sister. She told them that he smoked and probably dealt weed, and the last time she had seen him was Saturday morning. She gave them Aaron's cell phone number and told them that Aaron was home all day on Sunday, but was gone when she went to bed and didn't come home that evening. His wife, girlfriend, whatever, just fucked him in the ass. Big time. Aaron, like about this time, Aaron called her from inside, and said that Brian Murphy said not to talk to the cops anymore. Don't say any more shit. Shayana left him at the station. So she was literally just dropping him off. She didn't know if he was going to be held. She didn't know if he was going to be arrested. She, like, drove by, dropped him off, and bailed. And she went home. It was about 11 o'clock at this time. It's believed that he told her to go get the guns. The cell phone towers... Because, you know, they ping wherever they're going to be, whatever. Right. Proved that she drove to Franklin and then to the state line between Connecticut and Rhode Island. She went to an ATM in Plainville, where they lived a long time ago, and withdrew $500. Then she drove to Coventry, Rhode Island, and withdrew another $500 at an ATM there. Because there's, like, the daily limits and shit. Right. She then met up with Bo Wallace and Carlos Ortiz at a McDonald's. She gave them the stack of bills of the equal $1,000 that she withdrew. Bo told her that everything was going to be okay. She told Bo to be careful, and then she drove back home. Back at the police station, Aaron was taken to a second floor interview room. He asked them for a phone charger when he got there. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. why, why does he always feel like he needs shit? He asked them if they could turn off the lights, and he laid on the floor because his back was bothering him. I love how he's always just so chill. Like, what the fuck? I'm going to go to bed. It's early. It, well, no, it's late at night. I'm tired. I'm tired. Can you bring me a blanket? Maybe a pillow? Fluff it? The detectives dialed the number that Shayana had given them for Aaron once they left the room. It rang inside the room, so they knew that that was his... And it also matched the number in Odin's contacts on his phone. And the contact info for Aaron in his phone was nigga dis. I don't get it. I don't either. Okay. As long as I'm like 
somebody else doesn't get it too, then I don't feel no, so stupid. No, and I keep hoping that it will make sense to me. So if anybody knows what nigga dis means, I I don't. Somebody let me know. Explain this to me like I'm five because I don't get it. I don't get it. Aaron's attorney, Michael Fee, and or Aaron's attorneys. Michael Fee and Robert Jones from Ropes and Gray met the assistant DA Bob Bomberg in the lobby. They were told that Aaron was in a room for questioning and that he had not been arrested. He was allowed to leave when his attorneys got there, even though he hadn't been questioned yet because like he wasn't arrested. He wasn't being held for questioning. They were literally, literally like when your attorneys get here, you can go even though you haven't been questioned. Aaron and his attorneys went outside and talked for 45 minutes. Detective Mike Elliott was watching them on the security camera from the inside. He watched them walk to the car, open the door. Aaron got in the passenger seat but left the door open so the light was on so he could see inside that car and knew exactly what was going on in there. He saw Aaron take his phone out of his pocket and pull the battery out. The man in the back seat gave him a different cell phone. About 1 a.m., the lawyers walked back into the station and went to a conference room with the DA. He told them that Odin Lloyd had been found dead that evening. He updated them about the keys to the rental car. The lawyers informed Bomberg that Jones's friendship with him didn't bother Aaron, but that he didn't want to be interviewed that night because he was tired and not dressed appropriately for a video interview. Um, I just, I wanted to explain that part because how they, earlier they said that the DA, the assistant DA was really good friends with one of the attorneys and it just happens to be one of the ones that's um, representing him. Right. And they're like, is that a problem? And they're like, no, we'll ask him. So that's when he was like, there's not a problem, but he doesn't want to be questioned. He's tired. He's not dressed for an interview. Um, Personally for me, I'd have been like, yeah, it's a fucking problem. Yeah. You have a personal relationship with somebody that sees me as a person of interest. You need to fuck off that way. I want somebody else. But in his little tiny brain, maybe he was like, well, they're friends. They can maybe that'll pan off. out in my favor. Because everything else has. Everything well, always works out in his favor. Right. I have never... The only person that can fall in shit and come out smelling like a rose more than him is my brother. <laughs> for <laughs> I real. I mean, really. So, I'm not dressed appropriately for video interview. Fee, his attorney, wanted more time to consult. The police asked to see Aaron's cell phone, and Fee declined. The police didn't know what to think at this point. He was a celebrity. Every encounter they'd had with him over the years was polite until tonight, right? Where he slammed the door in their face. Rude! Manners. You got none. About 1.30 in the morning on Tuesday, June 18th, Shania Jenkins wondered why she hadn't heard from Odin. She tried to call many times on Monday. A number that she didn't know was calling her, so she answered it, hoping that it was him and it was Trooper Benson. He told her that Odin's body had been discovered. She cried at the news and went to the only place that she could think of. Dun, dun, dun! Shiana's house. Uh, Shiana. Is it Shiana? I think it's Shiana, but I've heard it both ways, so I'm not sure. I keep asking. Well, and in, in different things I watch and listen to, they say it different, so I don't know. Just keep flip-flopping, and then we've got it right at least 50% of the time. I feel like that's a reasonable thing to do. I do, too. (laughs) She got to her sister's house at about 6 in the morning. Shiana greeted her with a long hug, and after after talking for a while, Shania laid down and went to sleep on the couch, but woke up crying. At about 8 o'clock in the morning, Aaron walked through the front door. He looked at Shania and said, I've been through this death thing before. It will get better in time. 
Okay. That's weird. Yeah. And this is the point where I'm wondering, does she know that he knows? Does... I bet that she thinks that Shayana told him. Right. So she isn't shocked that he knows, but like... Wouldn't that be a weird thing to say, just all willy-fucking-nilly as you walk through the door? You've been gone. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. I just drove this way to be with my sister because my homeboy, my dude, my person is dead. And he... I've been through this death thing before, and it gets better with time. And also, they were friends, too. Right. So why isn't he upset? Exactly. While Shania was taking her nap, her sister was more than likely getting rid of the evidence. Shanna is seen on the house security system taking a black garbage bag to the basement out of the view of the cameras. A few minutes later, she came back up the stairs with the bag, got into her sister's car, and drove away with the bag. What a fucking kick in the nuts is that? She's sleeping, crying, <clears throat> upset because her boyfriend has just been killed and her sister is more than likely getting rid of the evidence. However, we don't know that for sure. No, we do not. Nobody does. She drove around aimlessly and dropped the bag into a random dumpster and went back home. In the bag was a box that Aaron had told her to get rid of. She said that she learned not to ask questions, so she didn't know what was in the box, and she doesn't remember where she dumped the bag. You can see the footage from this, from her getting the bag and hauling it outside on the Netflix special. While all of that was going on, Detective Elliot and State Police Lieutenant Michael King headed to Enterprise Rent-A-Car at about 8 that morning. While they were there, they found out that Aaron had returned the Altima and got a Chrysler 300. They found out about the damage to the Altima and that it had already been cleaned out. King and Elliot secured the Altima. They took pictures and inspected it. They went to Metalore, which was a gold refinery close to where Odin's body was found. Detective Elliot knew that they had a good security system, so he wanted to see if the Altima would show up on the security footage because their security footage just happened to show the entrance of the place where Odin's body was dumped. And sure as shit, it did. It also showed up on security footage for the North Attleboro Electric Department, which also had a clear view of that little entranceway. Once it was all said and done, they had seven videos of the Altima pulling in and then out of the clearing where Odin's body was found. On Tuesday afternoon, Troop- Trooper Michael Shervin, Sergeant Paul Baker, Assistant DA Patrick Bomberg, and several other police officers went to Aaron's house. Shayana answered the door. They had a search warrant. He didn't even get his ass off the couch. He was just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. The murder rumors were already spread at that time. They were all saying that Aaron was not a suspect. I remember this coming out. I remember this all happening because they were like, no, Aaron Hernandez, not he's not a suspect at this time, blah, blah, blah. And while the search was going on, Aaron went to the man cave and was playing pool with Shayana's uncle. Because that's what you do. Right. At one point, though, he turned to Shay's uncle and said, my endorsements are gone. You, you think? You That's think? the least of your fucking worries, you dumbass. Well, what I'm thinking is you should be a little bit more concernicus. About your freedom. <laughs> yeah. The police left him with a few... Ep- the police left with a few evidence bags. They had an iPhone, a Blackberry... Who the fuck was still... Oh, wait, no. This was in 2013. Blackberry. Who the fuck is still using a Blackberry? I was not... I No, I had one in 2011 because I had one when Tyler was born. 
Oh my God. Okay. There was an iPhone, a Blackberry, an iPad, two iPad minis, a DVR with surveillance footage from the 14 cameras in his house and a one terabyte hard drive. Wednesday morning, Aaron went to Gillette Stadium. There were a few trucks in the parking lot and helicopters flying over. He went to the weight room and met with Robert Kraft. Aaron assured him that nothing, I have nothing to do with this murder. Not a damn thing. He said the same thing to Mike Briggs, the director of security, and he even swore on his daughter's life. Later that day, Aaron was served with a lawsuit from Alexander Bradley. The same evening, the autopsy of Odin Lloyd came back and his death was officially ruled as a homicide. The media story had now changed. They were toilet plunging old shit like they do and started saying shit like, what did the scouts know that we don't know? What? Yeah, before they were all defending him. Like, oh, yeah. He had nothing to do with this. And then they're like, but wait, oh, look what we found. We got out our best toilet plungers and we found out shit that you should have known fucking anyway. He's a fourth round pick. Why? He's not a fourth round pick. He's better than that. Why? You should. Hello, McFly. Fuck. Anybody home? Well, by Thursday, all media outlets were saying that Aaron was directly tied to the homicide. The police wanted to know why the surveillance video was in pieces and why his phone was destroyed by the time investigators got to it. Mm -hmm. They also wanted to know why the cleaners were called to scrub the house down on June 17th. Well. Because it was my son's birthday and we had a party planned. Good answer. Mm -hmm. I feel like family feud. Good answer. Good answer. (laughs) Okay, now we're li- at least you guys are trying now. <laughs> Aaron drove Shayana's white SUV to the stadium that day. Helicopters followed him, and police say it reminded them of the O.J. Simpson's issue back in the 90s. White SUV, helicopter, Helicopters in the air. I didn't do it. I didn't. It wasn't me. It wasn't But me. if I did do it. This is how I'd have done it. This is how to do it. <laughs> this is how to did it. <laughs> That's how you did it. The... Does it help when I say it like that? Uh-huh. This is how you did. This how you did. And the big chip in my front tooth. Does that help? Okay. Yes. Yeesh. <clears throat> Aaron arrived at the stadium at about 11.23 a.m. and ran into the director of security who told him to leave because it was bad for business. He left and he seemed to be okay with it. But that afternoon, reports were out that Aaron was barred from the Patriots stadium. Mm. That Saturday, the police returned to Aaron's house with another search warrant and police dogs. Police say that while they were there, he acted completely normal. He laid on the couch, played with his daughter, and probably because good old Aaron, smug motherfucker, egotistical piece of shit, sorry, not sorry, thought that he was above the law. Go ahead, search. You ain't gonna find shit. Why are you talking like that? You're from Connecticut. I am. Dan says I sound like I'm from Connecticut, okay? With my southern accent. Yes. (laughs) Maybe an implant. (laughs) Whatever. Well. (laughs) After the search, the police left with an AK-47, a sentry safe, and a box of twenty-two ammo. That's what was for the the deuce deuce. For the deuce deuce. They had the twenty-two ammo in the safe. Perfect. The manager at the rental car place. Recalled what she found in the Altima. Like, now that it's all over the news, like, at the time, she didn't think anything of it. She just remembered being pissed because there was chewing gum in, on the carpet. It was that blue bubblicious shit on the carpet. Mm. She was pissed because she was like, that shit doesn't come out. She remembered using a picture that a child had drawn that she found in the back seat to grab the gum because she didn't want to touch out. And she grabbed the bullet casing 
all together. So it was like kind of a wad of the picture and the gum and the bullet. There was a shooting range not too far from there, so she didn't think much of the bullet until she started seeing the shits on the news. Once it all clicked, she called the cops and told them what she had found. Luckily, the dumpster had not been dumped yet, so they were able to find the gum and the bullet in the picture after a little dumpster diving. They recognized the picture. It looked like one that they had seen at T- on Tanya's fridge, drawn by her son Juno, who called Aaron Daddy Aaron. Also, the shell casing looked exactly like the ones found by Odin's body. Well, okay then. So you don't pick them up at the scene of the crime, and you don't pick them up at the fucking car either. Like, are you trying to get caught? Yes. I, I swear to God, this was like... I don't know. One of two things. Either he was that stupid or he really thought that he was going to get away with it or or add three things or he wanted to see exactly what he could get away with. He was pushing his limits to see how far they were, Perhaps. see what he could really get away with. Um, <clears throat> on Monday, the 24th of June, police searched the stream by Aaron's house to try to find weapons, but didn't find anything. They also went to check out T.L. Singleton's because of a tipped they a tipped mm-hmm, a tip they received, but he wasn't home. However, Carlos Ortiz's probation officer had figured out his relationship with Aaron. Carlos had admitted to her weeks earlier that he was a daily user of PCP, alcohol, cocaine, and weed, and he had since been put on a drug program. He was supposed to meet with his probation officer that day, but ended up meeting with the police instead. <laughs> Yay. Yay for you. By the way, we found out that you are friends with Aaron Hernandez with all mm. your drug using and shit, so now you're tied mm. into this stuff. They read him his Miranda rights. They didn't arrest him. They just read him the Miranda rights when he said he didn't do anything. They kept telling him that they knew he didn't do it, but they wanted him to give up information. It was like, well, we know you didn't do it, but until you tell us that it wasn't you or tell us who did it, you're tied into this, so you gotta tell us Dude, that's some little kid shit. It's like they figured out what level of intelligence and maturity they were working. Now, listen, we know you. This is how you get your fucking kids to tattle on each other. Hey, man, I know it wasn't you. But if you don't tell me who it was, then I have to assume that one or the other are responsible. So now you're both in trouble. Yeah. And he did it. You, yeah. And that's what they were trying to do with him. But he wasn't breaking. He was like, no, 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 no. He finally broke and said that he was in the car, but he was sleeping and woke up to gunshots. And he was just so shocked that he couldn't tell what was going on. The cops hadn't fed him or given him anything to drink during this whole time, and it had been hours. They asked him if he wanted to do a polygraph, and he was like, why don't you do one on Aaron Hernandez and Bill Wallace? And they said, we don't care what they have to say. We want to know what you have to say. Little kid shit again. He finally did the polygraph. When it was over, the administrator asked how he felt about it. He said, I feel pretty good about it. How do you think I did? How do you th- how do you think I did? And the administrator was like, uh, well, you failed. <laughs> you lied. And they tried to get him to tell the truth, but he just told more bullshit stories. He, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. He finally said that he didn't see Aaron shoot Odin, that he didn't get out of the car, and that after he heard the gunshots, Aaron ran to the car and he saw him cradling the gun in his hand. So... 
The bullshit about him being asleep wasn't true. He was there, but he's still sticking with the fact that he didn't get out of the car. One of the officers that was part of the investigation later talked about how stupid and careless Aaron was. He could have done this without getting caught. There was only a few, like, if he would have done just a couple of things different, he totally could have got away with this. The reason the shell casing was in the car is because he was shooting the signs. He didn't shoot Odin in the car or even close to the car. And so the the casings couldn't have landed in the car during the actual murder. So that tied him to that with shooting the signs, like leaving the keys in the wallet, dumping the body where he dumped it, where there was surveillance cameras. He could have dumped him. There were so many different options that he could have done and not been attached to it at all. Even if he shot him at his own house, at, um, at Odin's house, he wouldn't have got caught. But his own surveillance camera from his house is what told a lot of the bullshit, what told a lot of what happened too. Like, dude... Anyway, on June 26th, 2013, Aaron was arrested for the murder of Odin Lloyd. And that's all you get this week. That's it. That's it. That's what you get. Next week, so many more things. All the things. Well, until next time, don't be a pompous prick. Mm-hmm. And uh, stay, stay out, out of chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. Goodbye.